The following message is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe can be found at axechurchleander.com. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Uh, one of the things I love about that video is how it talks about how we are these, these living stones of the new temple of God. Right? It's no longer about the building. It's no longer about a physical temple and a physical space. But God didn't die for a physical building. God died for individuals. And it is those individuals that he is going to build his temple around. That's where real worship happens, right? And you actually see this in Ephesians 2. So we read in our scripture reading with Tony that God wants to give us this new life, this godly life, this righteous life, but that life comes through worship. It comes through being the temple of God. And so in Ephesians 2, Paul writes to the early church and he says these words. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In fact, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. The Bible is really clear that we are the new temple of God. It's no longer a building. It's no longer in a set location. No, the temple is the people. And together, we are these living stones that Christ indwells inside. And as temples, we are called to worship. And what we see in the New Testament is that there are two major forms of worship. There are two words that are primarily translated when you read the word worship in scripture, and they have two very different emphasis. Same uh, direction, they're going the same way, but if you think of it like oars in a boat, right, they have two separate purposes. The first term for worship you would see in John 4 when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. And they get into this argument. She's arguing about the God because they believe in the God of Abraham, but they believe in him very differently. And a lot of the differences come from where they worship you see, the Samaritans, they believe they were supposed to worship on a mountain, a mountain where God has met his people. But the Jewish people, they said, no, 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 now there's a physical temple that we're supposed to go to. We built the temple. That's where God meets his people. That's where we go to worship. And Jesus, he cuts through both of those. And this is what he says to the woman. Uh, he says, uh, using, well, we'll this first. He says, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on a mountain nor in Jerusalem. You see, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. 
We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and it has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. I want to go back for a second. That word worship there is proskeneo. And it literally is the word that we would get to prostrate ourselves. So it would be if you were to go before a king, and you were supposed to kneel before them because this king, this emperor, is greater than you. And it's a way to celebrate that relationship. That is the worship that we have before God in this first form. It's where we come before our God. We kneel before the God of the universe, our Savior, Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we celebrate that God. Those are the forms of worship that come in song. Those are the forms of worship that when something good happens, we reach back out and we're like, God, thank you for this. I realize that you are God and I am not. And it's that posture of coming before our God and celebrating what he's doing is that first form of worship that God is after, right? It's what Jesus was telling the woman that it's no longer about worshiping in a space. It's not about which temple you go to, not about which church building you go to, not about which holy site that you go to, but instead it's the posture and the rhythm of life which says, I'm going to remember who my God is. I'm going to come before that God of the universe, my Father, our Father, and I'm going to build in a rhythm of celebrating who our God is. Publicly, privately, Moment by moment, how are we in a posture of worship where we celebrate our God? The second form of worship comes from the Greek word latria. And its service is rendered as an act of obedience. Now, again, using temple imagery... When you would you think about service to God, right, there are service positions within a church quote-unquote service, right? And so maybe you lead worship. Maybe you clean. Maybe you are hosts. And so we can get in our mind that these divine services that we do when we worship— are all that it means to be a worshiper of God. And what we, what we see in Scripture, though, is that most of the time— especially in the New Testament, when it's talking about this form of worship, it's not about the things we do when we gather on Sunday morning. You see this in Romans 12, where it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper latria. This is how you serve God. And notice again the temple imagery. Living sacrifices. Not sacrifices that just happen at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Not just what you do inside of a church building or when you're helping out at youth group or on a different board or whatever else. Those are all good, but it's a small fraction of what it looks like to live as living sacrifices. Day in, day out, offering our services to God. Not because they get us to heaven, but because we have a God that we celebrate. We have a God that we're trying to follow. We're trying to become disciples of this God. 
to love our neighbor as ourselves. And scripture says that when we put ourselves in that posture and when we offer our lives as living sacrifices, day in, day out, moment by moment, that is worship. See, one of the trappings that we can get ourselves into is we set apart a time on Sundays, right? whether it's in person, whether you're tuning in online, and we're like, okay, this is my God time. This is my worship time. And what we see in Scripture is that, no, God has a much bigger plan for his relationship with you. God has a much bigger plan for what he has for you and for your family. He wants you guys to build a rhythm as homes, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you've got a whole gaggle of kids to build in this worship because it is dangerous. In fact, it is toxic when we look at the Sunday morning experience as the primary form of worship. This comes from Martin Luther, and he says this, the idea that the service to God should have only to do with a church altar, singing, reading, sacrifice, and the like, is without doubt but the worst trick of the devil. How could the devil have led us more effectively astray than this narrow conception that service to God takes place only in the church and works done within? He goes on, he says, God gives us grace, not so we can walk all over it as the world does, but because God takes an interest in all that we do to our neighbors, good or bad, as though we were doing it to God. If only everyone would regard their service to their neighbor as a service to God, Latria, the whole world would be filled with worship. Luther says the worst trick of the devil is narrowing worship to an hour to an hour and a half on Sunday morning. That that's when we celebrate our God. When that's where we have a posture where we prostrate before him and say, you are God and I am not. And thank you for all the daily bread, all the gifts that you have given me. The worst trick of the devil is to say, no, I am serving God when I'm doing something at church, when I'm one of the Bible readers, or I'm setting something up, or I'm giving a sermon, or I'm singing a song. Guys, that is all forms of worship. Don't get me wrong. That is a way that we serve God, but it is a small part of a much more beautiful, bigger picture that God has for you and for your home. God wants to help you cultivate homes, cultivate families that have a posture before God where together every home is able to celebrate who their God is, to build in rhythms. And this doesn't mean that you have to sing songs. I know for some of us, we love singing. It's a way that we sing about the God that we have. But for other of us, that's not how we celebrate God as well. And so maybe it's just building in a rhythm of those thankfulness jars that we've got. What are you thankful for to give back to God and say, thank you for this? How are you building a posture? How are we building a posture in our life that we remember, oh yeah, he's God, I'm not. We're not supposed to be in control, and that's actually the safest place to be, the most secure place to be, knowing that he's God. But then beyond that, how are we building a life of service, a rhythm of service in our home? How are we serving each other, realizing that when we help with the dishes, or we take out the trash, or our spouse comes in, or a friend calls, and they're having a rough day, and we say, you know what, I'm tired too, but I want to serve you, because in serving you, I'm actually serving our Father who loves you and made you in his image. When we see our neighbors in distress, 
and we reach out and we say, we love you, or we just want to celebrate with them and we want to have good times with them and we're like, hey, part of serving God is celebrating with the people he brings into our life. So we want to have good food and good drink with you. That is service to God. That is divine service because God said, I made every human in my image. They all carry a reflection of me, and I want you to serve them together. See, one of the beautiful things about cultivating a home that worships is we have a God who comes in and says, it's not about an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday. It's it's bigger than that. And yet that, that is a part of it, right? There is something special that happens on Sunday morning when we all gather together. As I was reflecting on this, uh, I was drawn to the book of Revelation where uh, John, the apostle, is writing about what heaven's going to look like. And he describes heaven like this. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully for her husband. That is the church he is talking about. Whenever you hear about the bride in the New Testament, that is always referring to us, the living temple of the God of our God. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people together and God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying for the old order of things has passed away. John is writing about the future And he says, one day we will all be united with our God. And that's what happens when we gather on Sundays, right? It's this beautiful taste of heaven. It's this moment where our voices sing together, where we have unison celebrating our God, using the same words in the same physical space because we are physical beings. And it's this beautiful moment. It is a literal gift from heaven where we get to taste what the future is going to be like. That's what makes Sunday mornings in-person gatherings so special. But 2020 has taught me something. 2020 is teaching all of us something. Because right? we, we haven't been able to gather like we used to. Even churches that are physically gathering right now, it's still not like it used to be. There's still this weird awkwardness, this forcedness to it. And so there becomes this tension, right? Because we want to go back. And again, we will get it back, guys. I cannot wait to be able to hug you guys. Uh, Those awkward, weird side Christian hugs, you know what I'm talking about? Giving people fist bumps again. Being able to smile at you in person, in our own physical space again. And yet the temptation that I find in myself is I take that taste of heaven and I turn it into an idol. I turn it into the real good, the ultimate good. I take that hour to an hour and a half on a Sunday morning and I'm like, that's the most important thing. I need to get that back. And God's saying, guys, that, that, that is a very small fraction of your week of what I want to look, worship look like for you. And yes, we are going to get it back. It is a gift of God. It is a blessing of God. But it is not the blessing of God. No, that is our relationship with him. That is our life with him and our life together in whatever means he gives us. One of the unique aspects of the New Testament is that there is this gathering and the scattering. And the scattering is always painful. 
when Jesus ascends to heaven and the first Christians rise up and we're adding all these new people, we're having these beautiful, epic worship services. It says every day they came together to worship together, to celebrate together. It was beautiful. But God used persecution. God used a challenge in them. He used the persecution of the early church to scatter them. He still gave them the taste of heaven, but it looked different. And then they would gather again, and then they would be scattered again. But every time they were scattered, they would learn more about their faith, and God would put them in touch with more people who needed to be in touch with God, who needed to be served by God through their worship. 2020 has been a weird year, but I truly believe one of the blessings that is going to come out of it is that we are going to leave 2020 with a more holistic understanding of what worship is meant to be, both the celebratory aspect of who our God is and how we do that as a home, and both the serving aspect of, oh, serving God doesn't just happen for an hour on Sunday. It's meant to build into the rhythm of my life. When I serve anyone he brings into my life, I am serving God. See, that's what true worship looks like. Every week, we've been offering you an opportunity uh, to live this out. And uh, this week's opportunity is going to come in the form of a 40-day challenge called Share Life that we are about to begin as a church. It is a rather contentious season. I don't know if you've noticed it out there. There are a lot of sides about almost everything. And we as a church want to be counter-cultural. We want to be Christ-cultural in this season of division. And so starting September 27th, we are starting a campaign called Share Life. Where for 40 days, and this is going to take us through the election, through all the insanity, we aren't going to take a political stance as a church, but we're going to take a Christian stance of we want to love our neighbor as ourselves. Every day, we are going to send out a positive prompt to share life. And they're going to be simple things. It might be, hey, send a joke to someone who might need to pick me up. It could be, share a favorite Bible verse of something that's brought you comfort and peace. We're going to have a blood drive and literally share life. Every day, we are going to have an opportunity to serve our neighbor and to celebrate our God to worship day in, day out, together, united as one church. And the way how we're going to do this is similar how we had the Hey Jesus, where we had the Bible verses go out every morning. Well, for 40 days, there is going to be a prompt every morning. And if you want to take part of this in Acts, I pray that you do. Text one word, share life, to 94000. That will get you locked in to the 40 days, and you can opt out if you want at any point. But that will then, every day, you will get a text prompt of a way that you can worship God, a way that you can share life, a way that you can point people to Christ either through your words or through your deeds. And it's not going to be something that we just do, but it's going to be an opportunity for our entire community to come with us. That anyone who wants to share life for 40 days in a year, in a season where we're going to need all the life we can get, we as a church want to worship both in spirit and in deed, and we can't wait for you guys to join us in that. I am going to invite AJ back up. We're going to go into a time of confession, into absolution, and then just into a time of prayer where we pray for those who are suffering, where we pray for those who God has put on our hearts to be able to serve in word and in deed. But before we get there, let's go in a time of confession. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you confessing that we have turned idols 
We have turned worship into an idol. Lord, we have either turned it into a consumeristic thing of something that we come and we get our daily or weekly dose of God. We feel better about ourselves and then we leave and we, we forget what worship is meant to be. Lord, we come before you asking for forgiveness for the times where we have not celebrated you in our daily life, where we've either taken credit for what's happened or we've cursed what's happened, not realizing that you are the God of daily bread and that it is our call to worship you. Lord God, we uh, confess the times where we have not served our neighbor as if we were serving you. Lord, where we have limited what it looks like to worship you indeed. Lord, I pray that uh, you convict us, but Lord, also that you liberate us, Father. Lord, we are thankful because you say that when we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just and you bring us back into right relationship with you that we may go out and be changed, Lord God. And so we are bold in asking for forgiveness and we are bold in believing that we have received it. Lord God, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.